When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Madison Reed. Madison Reed is salon quality hair color with an authentic personal touch. Made with ingredients you can feel good about, Madison Reed is the first ever six free permanent hair color. It's free of ammonia, parabens, resorcinol, PPD, phthalates, and gluten. Try it, love it, your satisfaction and happiness are guaranteed. That's the beauty of Madison Reed. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com and get 10% off plus free shipping on your first color kit with code all the books. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 84, and today we are talking about the best new books of December 2016. I'm Liberty Hardy, here with my fellow podcast, Rebecca Shinsky, and we're coming to you from bookriot.com. Hello, hello. Hi there. It's December now. It is December now. And how are we feeling about that? It snowed today. Did it? Yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. I it's was, like sorry. 50 here and sunny. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be like 50 tomorrow. But this morning I was laying on the couch and I was like looking at my phone and there were all these Instagram photos of snow and then I realized like they were not very far from me. <laughs> And so I look out the window, I was like, oh, yeah, hi, okay. Oh, that's the perfect, like, modern life story. Like, oh, it's snowing in my Instagram. Wait, that's right here. Yeah. Well, I didn't I didn't sleep last night. My cat is the world's biggest jerk. And oh, no. he just, he's always yelled for no reason that we can mm-hmm. figure out, but he really upped his game last night and just kept yelling and kept yelling. And I've taken him to the vet, and they're like, yeah, he's just, he's brainless, and there's nothing wrong with him, and he just likes to express himself. And so I'm just, you know, trying to sleep last night, and I couldn't, because I can't bring myself to lock him in a room, you know? So sure. he just sits there and yells, and I try to imagine, like, what he's trying to tell me, like, you know, what are you reading? Uh, there's a possum on the porch. Han shot first. Like, I don't know what he's trying to say to me. He just yells and yells and yells. So Maybe he just has I, all these feelings. Oh, he's like, I just have to express myself constantly. Oh. Anyway, that's my complaining session about my cat Steinbeck. <laughs> Let no. it all out. Yeah. <laughs> we should inform Steinbeck. Last week, Amanda and I decided that 2016 had just been awful. So on December 1st, we were like, you know what? Let's make it unofficially, officially 2017 now. So we are celebrating the new year in which things go right. So maybe, maybe that's could... what he was trying to tell me. Oh, there you go. <laughs> He's like, I'm so excited that it would have turned over. <laughs> Where's the champagne, year? mom? Woohoo! So happy new year to all of our listeners. Yeah. No bad things are allowed to happen anymore. Got it? Yeah. I did actually have, like, today I had all this stuff to do and I was running behind on getting my notes for the podcast and I had, like, we got a flat tire, which is not good. Oh, no. And so they were like, we'll get you a new tire. And so I went to the garage and I was like, I'm running out of time. I'm not going to be able to do everything. And I got there and they were like, oh, yeah, it didn't show up in the shipment. So you'll have to come back next week. And I was like, woohoo! And they're like, okay, she's really excited that she doesn't get to get her tire fixed. (laughs) 
Uh, I'm going to send a memo to everyone in your life. It's 2017. Get in line. Yeah. Okay. I was like, that's great. Now I have all this time. Uh, So today we're doing best books of December, like one month in one shot, partially because we have a bunch of best of the year things to do for the next couple of weeks, but also partially because December, I'm sorry to say, is like a desert of new titles. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know how they decide which ones come out in December. Like, and then I always see the books that come out, like, right after Christmas. And I was like, now you have to wait a whole other year to get that for somebody for Christmas. Like, I don't understand how that works. I've heard, and I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard that one of the reasons that there are, like, a ton of big new titles coming out in January for the last few years is publishers trying to take advantage of the bump of people getting, uh, like, new digital devices and downloading ebooks, and also people mm. receiving bookstore gift cards for oh, Christmas. Okay. So, like, come January, you've got money to burn. That makes so sense. They, they put out new books for you. But, yeah, I don't know. It's a mystery, especially my first pick, I think, is a perfect gift book for, like, it's a great dad book. And I mean that in the best possible way. Um, but I'm surprised that they didn't put it out earlier in the year so that it could build some steam. Can I tell you about it? Yes, please. It's The Undoing Project, A Friendship That Changed Our Minds by Michael Lewis. And this is kind of like the platonic ideal of a nonfiction book for me. And it snuck up on me. I didn't know that it was coming out until Jeff mentioned it on the Book Riot show a couple weeks ago. So um, Michael Lewis wrote Moneyball back in the early 2000s about the Oakland A's and how they were using statistics to change the way that they built their baseball team and how they ran the team. Before that, it was all about scouts' instincts, scouts going out to watch games and presumably having tons and tons of expertise from having watched a million games with a million baseball players. But the A's didn't have much money and they couldn't recruit the fanciest players. So they had to figure out something else. So they start using statistics and they have these killer seasons. And so Michael Lewis wrote Moneyball about that, about how uh, statistics and algorithms sort of took over. And it was one of the first times this big event in baseball that we saw it happen, like in pop culture, that um, an algorithm was replacing and exceeding human expertise. So after Moneyball comes out, Michael Lewis gets a review by two people who are like, you know, this book is really fascinating. And Lewis uncovers some biases that were happening, like players that were good looking were uh, more highly valued than players who weren't, even if their skills were the same or even if the better looking guy's skills were not as good um, because human bias. Um, So Lewis uncovers these biases and the the writers of the review are like, except for the fact that Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky, the psychologist, uncovered these biases like years and years ago and have been exploring them in psychological research for decades. So Lewis is like, oh, well, I guess I better learn some things about these guys. Um, So the book is essentially a biography and history of the working relationship between Daniel Kahneman and Amos Tversky. And if you've read Thinking Fast and Slow or you've heard of it, This is Those Guys. That's an incredible book. They um, are psychologists who won the Nobel Prize in economics. And it's because prior to their work that began in the 60s together, um, it was thought that humans make decisions logically and rationally and that the market was logical and rational because humans made decisions logically and rationally. But Kahneman and Tversky find themselves together. They're a really unlikely pair for a lot of reasons, and they discover all these errors in their own thinking. So they start creating tasks and questions that they pose to the undergraduate students at the universities where they do research, and they find that these students make predictable errors in the same way. So they start 
you know, going into that. And so they find out like that if a thing has happened to you recently and someone asks you how likely that thing is to happen in the world, you overestimate the likelihood of it, the probability of it because of something they, they term recency bias. These guys uncovered dozens of logical fallacies and errors in decision making that humans make. And they were the ones who like, this was really groundbreaking. It changed paradigms in a whole bunch of industries because now we understood that humans don't make rational decisions. They don't sit down and look at the descriptions between the two types of marinara sauce. They have all sorts of weird and mostly things they're unaware of that go into how they make shopping decisions, how they decide who to have as their partner, all sorts of stuff. So this had a ton of fallout and consequences for economic theories and for consumer-based approaches in general. Um, so that's how two psychologists ended up winning the Nobel Prize in economics. And the book is just fascinating. It goes into both Kahneman and Tversky's young lives, then into how they came into psychology, how they met each other and started working together. It is a fascinating story about creative collaboration, about discoveries in a new field, about their creative process. And if you're into psychology and cognitive science at all, it's really, really excellent. And I think like nobody does narrative nonfiction as well as Michael Lewis. So he's talking about some pretty complex concepts. And if you've read or attempted to read Thinking Fast and Slow, you'll know that that's a, like, that's a dense book. The concepts can be difficult to get. Those The guys are so smart. And Thinking Fast and Slow is their attempt to reach lay people, man, it's heady stuff. Lewis just cuts to the core of exactly what it is that they discovered and why it matters so much and how their relationship that was groundbreaking in itself, this collaboration really changed the world and changed how we understand our own minds. It's fascinating. Um, if there's somebody in your life that you're looking to like give a one-two punch of books like this to for the holidays, I recommend picking up The Undoing Project and then also giving them Thinking Fast and Slow. They will go together very nicely. I just uh, can't say enough good things about it. I've really, really loved it. So again, that's The Undoing Project by Michael Lewis. All right. I could talk about that one forever. I had to, like, my notes were long, and then I was like, wait, too many things? Slow down. And that was still a lot. My notes are very short on everything uh, because I didn't sleep, so I wrote really short notes. And also, about halfway through your description, I just felt the Red Bull kick in, so I started giggling, <laughs> so I had to, like, mute my microphone. So let's see how slow I can actually talk. Um, my first pick is called Whatever Happened to Interracial Love Stories by Kathleen Collins. This is a fantastic book out from Echo. Um, it is a collection of never-before-published stories from a little-known yet groundbreaking African-American artist and filmmaker. That is Kathleen Collins. She was the first black American woman to produce a feature-length film. Um, that film was called Losing Ground. She wrote and directed it. And in the introduction to this stories, the poet Elizabeth Alexander talks about being in college in the mid-80s and how Spike Lee uh, sort of brought back a lot of, um, a lot, of, uh, I'm losing my words here, how <laughs> he brought a lot of attention to uh, black filmmakers uh, in the mid-80s, and one of the women that she learned about was Kathleen Collins, and how uh, back then it wasn't just like, you know, oh, let me rent that movie, or let me, you know, watch that on my laptop. You know, she had to wait many years until it was showing somewhere before she could see this movie, and like how she just absolutely fell in love with Kathleen Collins. And uh, Kathleen Collins sadly died very young um, from cancer in 1988. She left the mostly unpublished collection of her work to her young daughter. And in 2006, her daughter went through her archive and found all these stories and has been working since then to get them published. And it's finally a collection. It's a beautiful collection 
a very small book, but they're, they pack a punch. And these stories explore all kinds of issues. They're about love and family and relationships and race and sexuality. And she's being compared to Anne Beatty, Laurie Colwin, Grace Paley, and Amy Hempel. Um, she just ha- writes about ordinary moments, but injects them with so much significance and emotion They're just absolutely beautiful. The first story in this collection is called Exterior, and it actually was my favorite of the collection. It's sort of a a quick uh, story about lighting directions given, like, as if someone's relationship was a film, and and they're saying, like, you know, thou shine the light on them, like, being happy over here, and then, like, as their relationship goes on, like, the lighting is not as bright, and it's just so clever and heartbreaking. Um, but, like, all her stories are amazing. And even though this collection is decades old, they feel very contemporary, in part due to just her lyrical storytelling. They're very intelligent, and they just seem very contemporary. Um, they're really beautiful. Again, it's called What Happened to Interracial Love Stories by Kathleen Collins. I don't know how that one slipped by me. Well, you can you can fix that. I can. Can you tell me about our first sponsor this week? I can tell you about our first sponsor. It is Third Love. Woohoo! Now, if you've been listening to the show, you know how much we love Third Love. Um, So, I was thinking the other day, like, um, when I was a teenager, I loved Pump Up the Volume. Have you ever ever seen (laughs) it? Where is this going? Well, like, have you you seen it? So, like, when when I was a young teen, that movie came out, and I watched it, and I was like, oh my god, I want to make out with Christian Slater and or Samantha Mathis, you know? And recently I rewatched it, and now it's like, oh my god, I wish I could just go without a bra like Samantha Mathis. Like, this is what the decades have done to me. Um, but it's not a possibility. I do have huge tracts of land, so I have been spending my life wearing really, really uncomfortable bras, the kind that make you really cranky and happy to take them off at the end of the day. So I am happy to say that Third Love's 24-7 t-shirt bra is the most comfortable bra I have ever owned. I am so glad that we found them. Uh, it is super smoothing, and it's invisible under every outfit. The cups are made out of memory foam, so it molds to your shape and doesn't, like, force you to move things or put things places that you don't want to. Um, it just it gives you the truly perfect fit, and it's changed the end of my day. I mean, I'm just not as cranky and, like, trying really hard to get this bra off. It's really fantastic. And Third Love stands by their product so much that they are willing to let listeners try the t-shirt bra for free. You just pay for the shipping. You wear it for 30 days. You can take the tags off. You can wash it. You do whatever you normally do when you buy a bra. If you love it, you keep it and they'll charge your card. If you don't love it, you can send it back for free and your card will not be charged. And if you don't know your size, they have a friendly online fit specialist who will help you find your perfect fit. So you go to thirdlove.com books to get started. And they will help you out with that. And you definitely should. It's a good uh, holiday gift for yourself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or your shelf. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm going to leave the jokes to you and move on to my next book. Who who knew that, like, like, if we know if this book thing doesn't work out, we could go into business writing boob jokes. We totally could. We'll have a surprise of 2016. (laughs) We'll just take my typo of boob riot and transport it, and we'll have a show called All the Boobs. Yeah, great. 
<laughs> um, so my next pick this week, moving right along, uh, is called Kill the Next One by Federico Exot. And it comes out December 13th. So you got to wait just one more week for it. This is an awesome, mind-bending thriller. It begins with a middle-aged man named Ted who's sitting alone in his home office and he is about to commit suicide. There is frantic knocking at the door and a voice telling him, open the door, it's your only way out. So he does. And there's a man standing there on his doorstep. He lets the man in and the man has this proposition for him. If Ted will go kill two men, one who is a criminal that got off on a technicality, but they know he's guilty, and the other is a man who is a would-be suicide, who wants to die. If Ted will go kill these two men, then he'll essentially join a chain, and someone will come and kill him. Then it will be revealed that he was doing vigilante justice and that he was killed in the process, so his family will believe that he was murdered while trying to carry out justice rather than thinking that he committed suicide suicide. So Ted agrees to this bargain. And that's like what happens in the first 50 pages. From there, it takes so many twists and turns. Like I love the setup for this book. I had no idea what was going to happen after Ted agreed to the bargain. And as I was reading, I've kept being like, Bob, this other thing is happening. This other thing is happening. It's so crazy. Um, it just takes a million twists and turns. It's about, it ends up really being about memory, about um, not knowing if we can trust our own minds and our own thoughts, our, our own memories. If you liked the movie Memento, it has sort of a feeling of that to it. It's just an A plus skull foxing. And I can't say any more about it without giving anything away. Um, but just an original weird premise for a thriller. It's so well written. It's so twisty turny. It has that nice unsettling sense. Every time a new section of the book starts of like, wait, where are we? And what's happening? And what is real? Uh, and I just find that so satisfying. Sometimes it's really unlike anything um, that I've read before. And so I will leave it right there. But that's called Kill the Next One by Federico X Hot. I really want to read that. I, oh, I was going to read it for this week, but then you were going to read it. So I didn't read it. I really want to read it. Well, it'll take you like 45 minutes. Awesome. I'll but start you right should now. probably like sleep first because it'll keep you up all night. I'm taking a nap after this. I tell you what. <laughs> I'm sending that cat out. Uh, my next pick is The Ornatrix by Kate Howard. I hope it's the Ornatrix. Um, it's Kate Howard, not Cat Howard, not to be confused with the awesome Cat Howard. Uh, it, this is sort of like Queen of the Night meets Viper Wine or also the Bells or Sudden Death or the Hunchback of Notre Dame. It, basically, it's weird. <laughs> and it's weird, dark historical fiction. Uh, it's a fantastic debut. It's uh, set in 16th century Italy about a young woman named Flavia. Flavia has a bird-shaped blemish that covers most of her face. Um, when her, The story is that when her mother was pregnant and about to give birth, a bird flew over her head and her mother looked at the bird, and that is how Flavia got this mark on her face. Um, her mother is ashamed of her and hides her from the world. Her father you know, loves her very much, but she's not allowed to like go out or be seen, really. Um, and she has a sister, of course, who's like, you know, beautiful and fabulous and all the boys love her and, you know, sort of rubs it in Flavia's face while she's living this, you know, hidden life. So Flavia sabotages her sister's wedding. What? Her sister totally deserved it. Um, and so as punishment, she is sent to work as a servant in a convent. And in this convent, she meets a former Venetian courtesan 
who was exiled to the convent. Her name is Gostanza, and she's like this fancy, fancy lady. She is the source of much gossip in the town. And Gostanza takes Flavia as her ornatrix, or her personal hairdresser and handmaid. And Flavia, you know, goes around with Gostanza and gets, or goes, yeah, Gostanza, um, and gets a, a taste of, like, the glamorous life. Um, but as we know, without love, it ain't much. Uh, <laughs> so she's, you know, seeing all this stuff going on and, you know, it's, it's so intriguing and fascinating to her. And she discovers that there is a powder that she can put on her face to hide her bird and it changes her life. You know, like she's like living this life and, and no one's like staring at her and no one's pointing. Um, but of course, this is 16th century Italy. So the stuff that she's putting on her face to cover it up is basically a poison. It's, you know, just poison powder. Um, and so that, you know, causes problems. This is just a fantastic look, basically at the cost of beauty and trying to have it all and, you know, inner beauty versus outer beauty. And on top of that, it's like super weird. So again, it's called The Ornatrix by Kate Howard. I can't really segue to that except... I don't know, my book kind of relates to beauty and feminism, so let's go with that. It's A Woman Looking at Men Looking at Women by Siri Hustvet. Um, This is a big collection of essays about, well, the subtitle says Essays on Art, Sex, and the Mind. The title comes from the opening piece, which is an essay that she wrote about um, an art exhibit that had um, that featured only figures of women that were all uh, drawn or painted by male artists. Um, and she observes what's happening in, in that. But the book is divided into three sections. The first one looks at perceptual and gender bias. Um, so some of the connecting stuff from the first segment of the show that affect how we look at art literature and the world in general. She's combining um, psychology with art history. She is a novelist and a feminist. She's interested in all of these different parts of the world. And so these essays are kind of Siri Hustvet's attempt to bring together all of her perspectives in one, you know, big collection that tells kind of a story. Um, The second part really gets at the mind-body problem, you know, like this sort of conflict between our brains, uh, where our thoughts come from, and the experiences that we have in our bodies that has been the cornerstone of philosophy since, like, the Greeks. Um, And so she is exploring desire, and she explores um, the sort of contrast and the things that link together the mental and the physical life that we have. Um, And then the third section is about uh, neurology and psychology and sociology and all sorts of things. And um, also has a really interesting and thoughtful consideration of suicide. Um, The book is her attempt to bring together science and the humanities. I will not lie, at times it was a little over my head. Um, At times she was talking about pieces of art that I wasn't familiar with. The book is not illustrated, so if you want to be familiar with the pieces of art she's talking about, you have to do some extra Googling. And uh, I found that for me, like this, it's like a 600-page book. Um, I skipped over some of the essays that were specifically about works that I had no understanding of or no familiarity with, just in, in honestly in the interest of time because I wanted to get to the mind-body stuff, the psychology stuff. There's so much here, though. Her mind is so interesting. Um, And there aren't a lot of women publishing this kind of work or who are being allowed to publish this kind of work and sort of put in the 
put on the platform that Siri Hustvet is getting. So I think it's important in that respect as well. She brings her feminist perspective. She asks really interesting questions about how the ways that we understand and misunderstand uh, sex and gender shape our experiences of the world, the way that we look at art, the way that we think about all kinds of other phenomena. It's really, really fascinating. Um, so that is A Woman Looking at Men, Looking at Women by Siri Hustvet. It's out this week. I love her. Oh, man, she broke my brain a little, but it was mostly pretty pleasant. She's so fantastic. If you want to read like a really powerful, disturbing debut novel, you should read The Blindfold. It's so okay. good. Also, when we were at BEA, I was in a room with Amanda, and we were talking about authors and things that we like, and I said Siri Hustvet, and Amanda's iPhone was like, ding! She's like, no, Siri, not oh, you. Oh, Siri. <laughs> I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> That's funny. I didn't even think about that. Must happen to her all the time. <laughs> So, let me tell you about our next sponsor. Okay. Uh, Penguin Random House Audio is back with tryaudiobooks.com. If you're traveling for the holidays, you can definitely make your trip more enjoyable with an audiobook. You can plug in a bestseller to catch up on some reading or play a title that the whole family can enjoy. Penguin Random House Audio has stuff for the whole family for different lengths of trips. They have all sorts of tools to help you find the perfect audiobook. The audiobooks will make your miles melt away. So listen while you travel. Go to tryaudiobooks.com for a full free download for your listening pleasure. And I have to say, I don't listen to many like whole family friendly books because I don't have to think about that. Um, but Bob has just started listening to Angel Maker by Nick Harkaway on audio, which I just, I love the book so much. So I'm revisiting it on audio also. And it is excellent. I think the audio is like 16 hours long. So especially if you have a big holiday trip or like, I don't know, if you've got to cook a bunch of food for holiday dinners and wrap a bunch of gifts, you could put this on in the house um, to keep you company while you do all of those things or put it on in the car while you're running from store to store, whatever it is that you're doing. But Angel Maker by Nick Harkaway is my uh, Penguin Random House audio pick of the week. So thank you to them. Again, it's tryaudiobooks.com. You'll get a full free download uh, and get started with listening pleasure and having audiobooks help you melt the miles away. I just started thinking about the train scene. <laughs> Turn that he's one not, down if you have kids in the car. I know. He's, Bob's not there yet, and I keep being like, and there's this character named Polly, and she has this apartment, and I can't tell you anything else about it. <laughs> oh, man. I have no segue for that. Okay. But my next pick is called Show Me a Mountain by Carrie Young. It's about a young girl named Faye Wong. She lives in Jamaica with her mother, who is of African descent, and her father, who is a Chinese immigrant. Her father has made the family a vast fortune, and they live in a big mansion. But as we know, money does not solve every problem. And Faye grows up kind of isolated um, due to her heritage, and also because she's so privileged. She's living this privileged upbringing, but she's not allowed to visit the places that her father visits. He hangs out in these different places in Chinatown. And so she's sort of stuck at home in her family's mansion with her mother, but her mother has some rage issues. She flies into these uncontrollable rages that she directs at Faye. Um, and as so as Faye gets older, she kind of rebels against her parents and her upbringing. Um, she, she wants to see a side of Jamaica that has been kept hidden from her. Uh, so she goes out on her own and she meets prostitutes and gangsters and revolutionaries and a whole bunch of different people. Um, and this is kind of like how she, she learns about her country uh, as she's getting older. And 
then as she's get approaching womanhood, her mother decides that it's time for her to get married. She wants her to marry this sketchy racketeer guy. Um, and so Faye is like faced with the biggest decision of her life. You know, what is she going to do? Is she going to marry this guy or is she going to rebel? Um, it's sort of, it's a, it's a story of oppression and revolution about, you know, a woman who is trying to lose her past and make her own future. It's fantastic. Again, it's called Show Me a Mountain by Carrie Young. All right. My last pick this week is one that I haven't read yet. It's on, oh, Millie's excited about it. <laughs> it's on my get to it soon list. It's called Other Minds, The Octopus, the Sea, and the Deep Origins of Consciousness. It's by Peter Godfrey Smith. And so I'm counting on this to be a skull foxing as well. Um, Peter Godfrey Smith is a philosopher of science. He's also a scuba diver. And he tells a story about how subjective experience, our subjective experiences of ourselves and of our world crept into being and how nature became aware of itself. Um, so this largely occurs in the ocean where animals first appeared. And he is basically tracking how the mind developed and how and so how consciousness developed out of, quote, unruly clumps of seaborne cells uh, that began living together. And then we being creatures became capable of sensing and acting and signaling and weren't just primitive organisms that, you know, ate and pooped and reproduced anymore. Um, so, and he's wondering like, what kind of intelligence do uh, other animals have, especially animals who live in the sea? There's scientific research. He pulls from his own experiences, scuba diving, and he's looking at sort of the mysteries that surround consciousness and the mind and wondering how did the octopus in particular, which is a really solitary creature, become I'm so smart. Um, I'm so looking forward to this. I've been hearing great things about it. Um, so if I read it over the holidays and then like just, you know, you find me like floating in a lake with leaves in my hair muttering things, it'll be because other minds broke me. Uh, but it's Other Minds, The Octopus, The Sea, and The Deep Origins of Consciousness by Peter Godfrey Smith. And let's see, that came out today. So if you have a you know a science nerd or a philosophy fan on your holiday list, that would be a good pick for them too. All right. My last pick is a book that comes out on December 27th, so you're going to want to use your gift cards to get it. It's called Books for Living by Will Schwalbe. You might recognize his name. He wrote The End of Your Life Book Club, which is about the books that he was reading with his mother while she was being treated for cancer. This is his new book. I'm a total sucker for books about books and reading, and this one is fantastic. It's an examination of why we read, basically. The reasons behind like, why we lose ourselves in books, whether it's for entertainment or education or to evade reality. He lists all these different reasons, you know, why we read and why some people read as much as they do. And he has compiled a collection of books that deal with the challenges of living in our modern world. Each chapter is like why you want to read that book, how he came to read it, what and who he associates with it. It's sort of like, a, almost like a reading diary that he's sharing with you. Um, some of the books that he talks about, each chapter is assigned like a certain meaning. So like in the chapter about searching, he talks about Stuart Little. Um, trusting, he talks about Girl on the Train, Hugging, a little life. Bartleby the Scrivener is for quitting. You know, he talks about like a ton of other books. There's Reading Lolita in Tehran, The Odyssey, Wonder, Song of Solomon, Rebecca, Bird by Bird, Giovanni's Room, tons more. Great selection, very diverse selection. Uh, it's just full of recommendations. In 12, he invites the reader to wonder, you know, what books would make up their own book of recommendations for facing the world. I think that the timing of this book is perfect, and it would make a great gift if you've forgotten to get somebody something, or for yourself. <laughs> so again, it's called Books for Living by Will Schwalbe. 
That is one that I'm super mystified by the publication date because it would be perfect as a stocking stuffer. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when I mentioned that earlier. Like, why now? Yeah, but when hey. we take over publishing, we'll change things. Yeah. So those are the new books this week. And actually, for the rest of the month that we are highlighting, what are you going to read next? I just picked up The Princess Diarist, the <gasps> Carrie Fisher. Because, yeah, I want to read about her and Harrison Ford. Maybe that's what Steinbeck has been trying to tell you. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I read this book. It's really good. It's so <laughs> scandalous. You have to read it. Yeah. Um, well, you can stay in your wheelhouse. I'm going to read The Nature Fix by Florence Williams, which yeah, is, yeah. you found this book for me, and I believe it is probably the most wheelhousey wheelhouse book I could get right now. It's about how being outside makes you happier, healthier, and more creative. Um, Florence Williams wrote a book called Breasts a few years ago. That was a like Best. super deep dive sort of Mary Roach history and social exploration of women's breasts and uh, everything from like boob jobs to breast cancer to Victoria's Secret, everything in between. It was really fascinating. Um, She does thorough, really interesting sort of storytelling about the subjects that she researches. And so this looks at how like for centuries, poets and philosophers have had this sense that getting out in nature can fix us. There's this benefit to taking a walk in the woods. You know, Emerson goes to the woods to live simply. Wordsworth composed his poems while he was walking through the woods. People just, you know, often, many people, not all of us, uh, have a sense that going outside and moving our bodies around in nature makes us feel better. And now there's a ton of science that explains why that is. Uh, So Florence Williams is going to dive into that. She says, uh, it says here in the press release, that she goes from forest trails in Korea to islands in Finland to groves of eucalyptus in California, investigating the science at the confluence of environment, mood, health, and creativity. And I am so here for it. Uh, I live in a place where I can be outside many months of the year hiking and skiing and going to the beach and all of those things. And I love a good walk. Um, so I'm so, so excited. This is really going to be the book where you find me with leaves in my hair. I'll just be like, but Florence Williams <laughs> said I needed to be outside more. <laughs> I'm, I'm psyched to read uh, that too. Yeah. It comes out in uh, February. Cool. So those are all the books. We did it. This week. We did it. We made it. You get to go take a nap soon. Yes. Um, Thanks to our sponsors, Madison Reed. Go to madison-reed.com and use the offer code ALLTHEBOOKS, which is all one word, to get 10% off your first order and free shipping. Thank you to Third Love. Go to thirdlove.com slash books to start your 24-7, well, your 30-day trial with the 24-7 t-shirt bra. And to Penguin Random House Audio, uh, melt away the miles during your holiday season with audiobooks. Go to tryaudiobooks.com for your free full download. If you've got something to say, to us. You can drop us a line at all the books at bookriot.com. Hit us up on Twitter. I'm Rebecca Shinsky, S-C-H-I-N-S-K-Y. Liberty is Miss Liberty. If you've got a minute, you want to give us a little tip for the holidays, you can leave us a rating or a review on iTunes. And next week, we will be here with the best fiction of 2016. So stay tuned. Yes. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books out in December, we just don't have the time, but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter and i would like to give a little shout out to our tiny fan friend smith and his mama wallace and that's it so all right well in the meantime happy happy reading. reading